brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Soft Rep Radio on time, on target. It's actually just myself, Ian Scotto, with Kristen Beck, because um, if you've been listening to the show, as I was telling Kristen, Jack Murphy just put out his book, Murphy's Law. It's going to be out soon, but he opted to do the audiobook, and so during the mornings, he's been recording that audiobook, which I don't know if, because you, you have a book out, but I don't know if you ever did the audiobook thing. No, I never did the audiobook. Because he was asking me about it and asking mm-hmm. how long it's going to take, and I don't think people realize how big of a pain in the ass it is to get everything perfect. Yeah, and, exactly. Because yeah. he probably wants to have some different voices and some sound effects and some things. All, all that, and then work. also you don't realize like when you read something that, yep. that you're reading it incorrectly, you have to go back. Um, anyway, getting into everything, I, I feel like this audience knows you, former Navy SEAL, several SEAL teams. Retired Navy SEAL. For retired Navy SEAL. Once a SEAL, always a SEAL. I, Plus, well, I, I retired, so you got to give me credit, brother. I've been told I can't say ex-Navy SEAL <laughs> yeah, instead not of ex. former Navy SEAL. Actually, but. there's a few people you could probably say ex-Navy SEALs, where their tridents were actually pulled. Yeah, yeah. When we were at SEAL Team 1, and I think Brandon was at SEAL Team 1 at the same time, we had a guy who uh, left the team for a while, and he was gone long enough. I think he was gone for like two years, and he came back to SEAL Team 1. Okay. And when he came back, they said, hey, you've been gone for a couple of years. You have to go back through... The qualification course. It's called STT back in the old days, SEAL Team Tactics or Tactical Training. And uh, that's the advanced skills. So you go do uh, the reaching and you do a bunch of the CQB and stuff just to get you back into the groove, you know? Gotcha. And the guy was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And he says, well, then you can do that. You can go to ranger school. He was like, I'm not going to ranger school. And uh, he said, I'm going right back into a platoon. And he was being kind of cocky about it to the master chief and the, or maybe been to the CO. From what I and, heard uh, going to – He took the trident, though, and he says, I, I'm not going to that school. And he says, I'm willing to, you know, bet my trident that wow. I'm not going to go there. You're going to put me right into a platoon. And he saw he backed the CO in a corner. Damn. And uh, so the CO took his trident and says, all right, thanks. You're no longer a SEAL. And opened his drawer up and threw this thing in a drawer. And he took away his 5326. Wow. He took it away totally. So that's an ex-SEAL. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. Isn't going to ranger school as a SEAL kind of like a form of punishment? I've heard that before. It's totally a punishment. Yeah. because there's a <laughs> Sorry to all the rangers out there. But there's a few SEALs, uh, you, I yeah. think, who have been on the show that went through ranger yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. But you never... Well, the thing with ranger school, it's a, it's a great school. Uh, I mean, college kids go there, you know, the West Pointers. and It's a leadership school. So you're learning a lot of really good skills. You're learning how to run, you know patrol tactics with a squad and a platoon you learn a lot of really great you know leadership and skills and you're also starving to death pretty much every day you're getting one MRE, one MRE a day or a little bit more than that I don't know I know that you get starved because guys get out of there they're just skinny 
and we don't need that in the teams. You know, yeah. we don't want you know a skinny guy that can run twenty miles and starve. You know, because we're we're doing a. I don't know. It's it's that weird comparison between seals and rangers. You know what the yeah. mission is. So, I so just you think went through it. You, you I did. No. Okay. Because I was part of a recondo. Well, I was part of a recondo team, and when I was in uh, Virginia Military Institute, I was in a ranger platoon. Gotcha. So we did. We mimicked a lot of the stuff that was going on within Ranger School. I, I mean, because of the documentary that mm-hmm. you were a part of and all that, I feel like people don't even know your entire military history, no. which is pretty expansive. And everybody like, just jumps on me about all kinds of other crap and i'm yeah. just like man that's why i told you when you called me up and says hey you want to do a show and i was like yeah but don't talk about anything no, I, I, about my personal life or anything i'll talk about military i'll talk for about sure. politics i'll talk but about i actually feel like the audience who only knows you for that stuff might yep. not know all the things that you've done and all the seal teams you've served with because you've been on seal oh, team yeah, six sure. right and yeah which i'm allowed Dev to group. say i think because yeah. Yeah, I, I call it Dev group I remember reading um, Rob O'Neill's book, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, how SEAL Team yeah. 6 or DevGrew is blacked out in every yeah. section, yeah. And it, which is just, it's kind of it's silly, silly, right? Yeah, because we silly. all know what he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, Jack has said this before, too, and I've gotten emails. We have former Delta Force guys on the show, yep. and people will say, don't say Delta Force, say the unit. Yeah. But as Jack says, whether we say the unit, everybody knows yeah. what we're talking yeah, about. It's the unit. I'm being really sneaky, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's silly. I think you should r- kind of run through that for the audience of of where you started in the SEALs and, yep. and all the different things that you've done. All right. Well, I was Bud's class 179. I was uh, basically, I learned about the SEALs kind of late because I wanted to go into the Rangers. I wanted to do Special Forces, all the Army stuff. But uh, then I found out about the SEALs from this really awesome movie with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's the same thing Drago said. <laughs> well, it was, just, it was a terrible movie. I can't stand <laughs> Like, I'll look back at the movie now, and it's just the most ridiculous movie. And the same thing with G.I. Jane. That's ridiculous. <laughs> There's just so much stuff in here. You're like, oh, my God. So I uh, so I saw that movie, and I was like, holy shit. They're, you know, parachuting, skydiving, scuba diving. They're riding around in boats, and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm, I was a water person, you know, my whole life. You know, growing up around the ocean and surfing and all that. And so I was like, well, heck with Rangers and Special Forces. Those guys don't do all this cool stuff. So I uh, went down to the Navy recruiter and uh, was talking to him about it. They showed me a video, the recruiting video, which was, again, UDT shorts and T-shirts and doing push-ups. And it was like a motivation video that was like, it was like, man, those guys are awesome. You want to do it. And uh, this was right during Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and all that was going on. And so right at that point, I watched the video, and I said, heck, yeah, this is what I want to do, and the war's going on, and I'm going to be there. So I uh, went down to recruiting station. I already had ASVAB scores, and I think I had like a 98 or something, so I could pretty much do whatever I wanted in that with that score. So uh, I said, I want to be a SEAL. They said, well, you're going to have to go to boot camp, and then at boot camp, you'll raise your hand and uh, volunteer for it because they're going to show you the recruiting video you just saw. And then uh, you volunteer for it. And I was like, all right, sounds good to me. So I went right into regular boot camp, and I was going in as a quartermaster. And uh, put my hand in there, volunteered. And there was like 100 people volunteered. And uh, two of us actually qualified to go. Wow. And so they cut us orders right out of boot camp to go to uh, our A school that we were assigned. And then after we finished the A schools, then we would go to BUDS. And that's what I did. So I started BUDS in uh, 91. Wow, it's, and, uh, it's a it's a while because I feel like most of the yeah, people on the show are like guys who started during the war and terror. Many people mm-hmm. come on here and say that nine eleven inspired them to join the military. Yep. But yep. well, it was similar to me then. I mean, you know, I got inspired because I was, I was like, "Hey, we're going to war," you know. And I 
I think everybody has thought that Desert Shield, Desert Storm, when the whole thing started really cranking up, that it was going to be a long, drawn out, you know, a lot longer than, what was it, like 10 days or something? I don't know, I, this funny. is before my time. It was, it was, it was really short. I'm 19, I'm born in 1986. I do remember it yeah. was short, but yeah. 86? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel old sometimes, but I guess yeah. not. <laughs> well, I would I would have never guessed. Okay. So. Is that, is that good born. or is that bad? No, it's yeah. cool. Am, just, I, am I an old man? I always, well, you uh, let that beard on you and you kind of... Yeah. You have old soul. If I, uh, if I shave the beard, I look like a 14-year-old. Uh, <laughs> like like yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's um, hilarious. And then, which you served, as I said, on several SEAL teams, uh, which yeah. were... So, well, I went to Bud's, and I uh, I just work hard at stuff. I'm not the fastest swimmer or runner. I'm not I'm not the best on O course or all that. But uh, I'll tell you what, when I was going through Bud's, you know, I'd finish a four-mile run, and uh, we run in boots in the sand, you know, full camis and boots on sand. And I was doing a four-mile run in, uh, it was about 24 minutes. So, and that was boots and sand. So that's that's pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, I would finish that, you know, six-minute mile for four miles in sand. I would finish it, and I'd be thrown up. I would, I would could put every every ounce of everything I had into every run into every swim, into every time I did the yoga course. And so my mindset was, I'm going to be the top. You know, nobody's going to ever beat me. And so I ended up graduating at the top of the class from, uh, from my buds class. It, it seems you know, like fastest that's... swimmer, runner, the O course, everything, I just kicked butt. At. Yeah. It seems like that's just the mentality of all of these guys, is, is it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. about who's the most genetically gifted yeah. to be the best runner. It's all about heart. Yeah. And, and mindset and, and having that mental toughness, it seems like. Yeah, we had an Olympic athlete, he was an Olympic swimmer, that was uh, going through buds and uh, didn't make it. And so you can be Olympic caliber if you want to, but you don't have the heart. You know, you think that your uh, athletic prowess is going to be all you need, you're sorely mistaken. Because that's, that's a good part of it, but that's not all of it. And I've seen really great athletes, people that are way better than me, and I would beat them all the time. Yeah. Because they just didn't have the heart. When, when did you actually retire? In 2011. Wow. So, so I joined how, how in 90 and I went to 2011. That's so just a little incredible. over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's ah, just 20 years. Well, as someone who's in SEAL Team 6, <laughs> what's your take on, you know, like a Dev lot group. of the... Dev Grew. Uh, you, you know, a lot of the controversy going. I mean, there's yeah. so, so many yeah. things that we've heard about. You were yeah. in there during some of that time, I assume. Yeah. But. Well, also, I, uh, I was different. So I got recruited to go to Dev Group. So I had a bunch of skills and things that they wanted. I was flying UAVs and I was doing all the sneaky peeky stuff. And so when I went to Dev Group, I didn't go through Green Team. So I I skipped over all that stuff and I went right in and started doing doing the work. Yeah. So uh, so there's a huge debate about that too. Well, Beck was never part of the team, and I was like, yeah, I was. I had full orders. I was there. I was permanent station. That was my duty station, and I had my jobs, and I was running uh, tactical surveillance stuff, and then I. Uh, was cut over to a joint task force for some of my skills to go help out another task force and uh, to do the stuff I was doing. So I went through farm schools and all the sneaky pee stuff. Yeah. So it was, I had a weird career, but I was, I got, I got pulled in to go there and everywhere. And I, this goes back to what I was talking about, the buds thing that, that it was all about. I just worked so hard at it and did everything I could I wasn't the fastest doing a quick draw. And uh, so I stood in front of the mirror for hours and hours every day after work. So just going through the whole day, doing SEAL team training, doing whatever. 
I'd put my rig on, have my holster and everything on there, and have my pistol, and I would just start doing fast draws and draws, and just practicing doing draws, and I did it for hours and hours. And then I ended up setting a record at uh, one of the shooting schools. And I wasn't originally the fastest, but I worked so freaking hard at it, and I just drew, 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 and I got real quick. And I was just hitting the targets, boom, 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 and it was off on a record board. And these are record boards. This is at Shaw's. These record boards go back to the 70s. And they don't, they're the top 10, some of them are from the 70s, you know, these guys that were shooting way back in the old days. So those records are longstanding records that you only get up on there if you get off the net score. Wow. And so I knocked off somebody off that top 10 that might have been on there for 30 years. Is that still a record? What yeah, you... this, I mean, the boards are up there forever. I mean, these, so like cool. I said, these record boards go back to the 70s. And if you, if you beat the time, then your name goes up there. If you don't, sorry. That's got to be something you take huge pride in, I yep. think. Yeah, I'm proud of that. But the thing is, it's not it's not me. You know, it's not it's not natural. I just work so freaking hard at it. And I think that everybody can do that. You just have to it's the heart. It's like the mindset. I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm not going to quit. I'm not I'm going to be the best at this. And then uh was it Malcolm Gladwell who wrote that book? About doing the 10,000 repetitions or something. I'm that not you become sure I've expert. heard. It's, it's funny you mention it. I, I don't know. But it's about black swans this, and I did something to look up. Yeah, you saying look this does up. make me think of something I've heard like Arnold Schwarzenegger say yeah. that everything in life is just reps. Yeah, with, uh, you do know, reps. It's, those do constant reps, reps yep. for, for everything, yeah. whether it's shooting, as you yeah. said, or yep. it's, it's for just anything in well, life. Well, how many radio shows have you done? This isn't your first one. Altogether, I mean, it's so crazy. I went from you know college mm-hmm. to working at Sirius. It's it's weird though um, to get on another t- tangent here. You know, I won't go too long. But when I went to college, podcasting like wasn't even a thing, yeah. which wasn't that long ago. And you know, it's just a constant evolving medium. But I, I do know what you mean. The first time I went on air, I didn't yeah. know You're, this would be something. And after a hundred, you started getting really into it. And that's what yeah. I listen to shows, and you can hear it. You know the guys who have been doing it for a long time. That's one of the reasons why I like Wilkow. Yeah, that guy's professional. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's done so much for some you know decades of being on the radio, on top forty, and doing music and doing all that. So he has the voice for it, and he also has the ability because he's built that skill. I, Over I don't know hundreds if, of shows. Yeah, I don't know if you feel this way though with um, what you've done, but with radio, mm-hmm. at least I feel like there's guys and, and women I've heard where you could tell right away whether they're an amateur or not. Mm-hmm. This person has this natural ability to do. Yeah, this. there is natural ability. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. Andrew, for example, was born to do this. He's amazing. He's the type <laughs> of. I mean, me and Mike, the producer, would joke about like you. You could probably wake him up out of his sleep at three a.m. and be like, and "Andrew, do a radio show," <laughs> and then he'd be fine. Yeah. And then there's other people I've heard, and they could keep trying and trying, and yeah. it's just they they don't have that ability to be engaging. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if the same goes for swimming or shooting because I, I don't have ability with those Well, things. it's definitely repetition. I mean, it, I think almost everything you can think about if you really practice, and it goes into like uh, martial arts also, is like you don't have to know 100 moves. If you know one or two moves, you know I'm really good, and you're just like in your sleep, you're doing this block and doing that. That's like and that Bruce Lee quote. Yeah. Th- didn't he say, I'm not scared of someone who you know has practiced, it's like a thousand moves two yeah. times, but someone who's practiced... One Two moves a thousand yeah. times, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's exactly it. Yeah. And it's a thing that people have to remember. So back to the story. So I finished yeah. Buds. I was top of the class. Boom, I got my choice of SEAL teams. I chose SEAL Team 1 because I'm from the East Coast, and I wanted to live in California. And I, I wasn't aware that they let you choose. Only the top. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's like, that's pretty much how my entire career went. 
uh, I was at SEAL Team 1. I did nine years. I did a whole bunch of platoons and free fall jump master. I had all the skills. I had everything I wanted as far as like the advanced skills, you know, dive supervisor, free fall jump master, the breaching and range super, all this, all the stuff that you need for qualifications. And so I could walk into a platoon and I could make a platoon just by myself because of all the skills and all the qualifications I had. I could bring them up to a level that they could deploy. And uh, so it was kind of sought after because I had so many of those courses. Because also I'm a really good test taker and, and I can, they know that if they send me to a course, I'm going to pass. And Freefall Jump Master is one of those courses that uh, especially, and I, I don't think it's the same, but in the old days, you could send somebody to Freefall Jump Master and they'd probably fail the first time. And there's a good chance they'll fail the second time, and they'll get it on the third time. And so in the SEALs, we just don't have that much time. You're just like, we need to send somebody there that we know is going to pass. And so they always knew that whatever course we send you to, you're going to be top of the class, and you're going to pass. would be good. Then we have the skill. It's an Army course, too, the Jump Master courses. So we're stuck with the Army qualification and trying to get rid of everybody, which is a silly way to do it. Because mm-hmm. Free Fall Jump Master and some of those advanced courses, it's not a qualification. It's not a washout system. You're trying to teach somebody some really advanced skills and get them qualified to go back to do the work. But they were washing people out. I mean, more than half the class got kicked out when I was going through. It was ridiculous. Total waste of money. So that's a whole other su- yeah. subject. So I, I was uh, SEAL Team 1 when I left there in 1999. I got recruited up to uh, SOCOM, the headquarters, by uh, Cowboy Wells. He was a warrant officer, and he was up there working on his mission planning system. And they were trying to, this is like the 90s, or computers. Think about, think about the uh, mid to late 90s. Yeah, Windows 95. It was all, yeah, blue screen of death. It was yeah. like constant. I mean, it was just such a, such a terrible time to be trying to make this really advanced mission planning system. And he was trying to do this. And uh, he knew that I was like heavy into Intel and mission planning, and I was computer savvy because I was building my own computers. So I, was, I knew what I was doing. I used to program computer stuff in Fortran, Pascal, and all these old, old you know, yeah. primitive <laughs> language back in the old days. So he knew this. And so he recruited me up to the headquarters to help him write this program. And uh, they had hired this company to write the program and do all the stuff and make this thing happen. And uh, they were showing the admiral one day in the uh, – in one of the uh, conference rooms, here's the program, and he started going through it, and they were saying, this is going to be the mission plan. And they were talking about what the mission was going to be, and then blue screen of death. And they were like, oh. So they unplugged the big screen and unplugged another computer and started trying to pick up from what I then, and blue screen of death. The whole thing just went, it, it went sideways a couple of times. And I put my hand in the air, you know, this is a little old. I think I might have just made chief. And they were like, hey, chief, you got something you want to add? And I was like, yeah. I've been in my garage just kind of writing some stuff and some programming. I think I think mine will work, and uh, it's not going to crash, and it's going to be exactly what we need. And he said, all right, go ahead. Show us what you got. So I took the cord out of their thing, and I plugged it into my computer, <laughs> and it started planning. And up on the screen, they started seeing boats moving and stuff happening, and all of it just started going on. And, and they were like, well, what if we don't really want it to be a DA? We're going to make this one, uh, this and this. And they started changing the mission. I was like, yeah, no problem. So I started plugging in different stuff, and stuff was going boom, 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 popping. And they said, hey, we're going to have some explosives there too. And I said, all right. How much C4? They told me, and I just dialed it in. And I said, the explosive radius will be this much. So we have to leave here, and the time fuse can be that long. And they were like, wait, what? And so I started giving them like all this extra stuff, and everything was perfect. It ran. So that company got fired, and they took my program. And you know what program they're still using today? 
Yours? Wow. My fur coat. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Where, where did so you like even after find... after 20 years, my stuff is still being used. That's awesome. Where yeah. do you even find the time to learn how to program and learn computers as you're trying to be the best swimmer, be the best shooter? Well, you always have weekends. I, yeah, but I, mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it all plays into your competitive it's, nature, which it's you the obviously competitive nature, have. It's also just, if you, if you want to do something, just keep on going at it. And yeah. it took me a long time to get to the point when I had the program and everything was going. And... uh same thing. I just worked hard at it, and I just kept just plugging away, you know. So, I mean, you're right. It's, it's a lot of time. Yeah. So then I was at the headquarters for a while, and then uh, I was giving my mission planning briefing off of all the stuff I was doing, and I was doing it to the, uh, the Master Chief Conference. So this is all the Master Chiefs from all around the world. They were all in one room, and they were seeing what was on cutting edge, what was going on in SEALs, and they were learning about, you know, the rates and what was going on and how to advance people. So it was a lot of the administrative skills that new mass chiefs and what people need to know to run a SEAL team. And I was still just a chief. I was at E7. So I'm in there showing on a mission planning system because this is all still really new, cutting edge. And this is like, uh, this is right in the beginning of 2001. So this when like February, March of 2001. And uh, so I started showing all the to them and, and, I, and they said, uh, hey, that's awesome. They loved it. They said, hey, we're doing another uh, course right after this and it's going to be talking about uh, evals and advancements and then also doing how to cut orders and you can just sit in on this one if you want to because it's going to be some good stuff for you. So I sat in on a course and I was the only E7 in there and the Master Chief up on stage he started doing the evals and everything else and he said, hey, hey Beck, we're going to pull up your record and uh, you might be ready for orders here soon. So let's uh, let's take a look at your record and we'll see where we can plug you in and how you're going to get orders and we're going to teach all the other Master Chiefs how to cut orders for a Chief. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so they pulled up my record, and all the master chiefs were reading through it and with all the quals and everything else. So they started kind of bidding on me. So I had like a bidding war between SEAL Team 5, SEAL Team 8, and I think SEAL Team 3. <laughs> all these master chiefs were trying to get me because they wanted the quals because it would pump up one of their platoons. And uh, so Team 8 looked pretty cool, but I didn't really want to leave the West Coast. I still liked being out on the West Coast. And then the Team 5 master chief said, hey, hey, Beck, I can get you in a platoon, you know, the day you cut over, you'll be a platoon chief and run a platoon. And I was like, I was like, all right, that sounds cool. All right, let's do it. And so he pushed the button up on stage right when I was doing that in uh, early 2001. And it was like, okay, your orders are cut. You're transferring to Team 5 in uh, three weeks. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that's how I ended up going to my next team. And, and then just a few months after this, yeah, then nine eleven happens, and so I was already in a platoon, and uh, Coggins was one of my guys in that platoon. I think that was the platoon I was in, but I showed up there, and I uh, it wasn't really a big like like a rucking team, mm -hmm. so I had everybody do uh, thirty pound sandbags into all the rucks and load them all out and get them all done. And uh, I started having everybody doing, you know, twice a week. We were doing rock humps on the beaches and just going up and down, doing 10 miles, you know, and, and just working hard at that. And they were like, what? why are we doing this? And I said, well, and I said, if we get into it, you know, we're going to be going a ways. And the guys were pissed. So they didn't like me at all. But then 9-11 happened, and then they were all saying thanks. Yeah. For all, like, I was doing all this extra training. It was just like after hours or on weekend. I'd say, hey, let's go do a rock hump on Saturday at such and such a time. I would assume, And they were yeah. freaking hating it. Just being over-prepared, that's a great yeah. thing. So, yep. with, Here's with, a funny new guy story, yeah. too. Go so uh, I had all these new guys, and uh, Goggins was one of the new guys in there. And he'll attest to this. But the new guys were in there, and I was like, hey, we had these big lockers where you put all your equipment and everything in. And I said, all the new guys, you guys can't use the lockers. And so I put padlocks in all their lockers. They're empty. And I said, you guys can have two pair of bags. And that's all. 
and you can have your two pair bags right in front of your locker and I'll inspect them at any time. So make sure they're squared away and make sure they're good. But everything you need for everything we're going to do for the next month has to be in, in those two pair bags. And that's all. And they were freaking pissed. And you guys hated me. And uh, they got used to just working out of those two pair bags. They didn't have this giant locker to just have all the stuff all over and have second and thirds of everything. Because yeah. you only need a second of certain things. You know, stuff that might break. You know what I mean? You don't need the two of two everything, you know, two, what is it? Two is one and one is none. Okay. All that kind of thing. Sure. It's like, it's not true. You don't need two of that. You don't need two of that. If you have one of those, you're fine. And if something happens, you know, that a pair of pliers, you know, or fence cutters, those aren't going to break. You don't need two pairs of fence yeah. cutters. So just one's good. So uh, they got used to living on those bags, and then uh, after about doing that for a couple months, it was two or three months of those guys living out of those two bags. Then I cut all the locks off all the lockers, and I let them have their lockers. But they were still kind of used to having their bags all set up. And then uh, we went out on a ship and doing some stuff, and we had to have a really small amount of gear. And those guys were like, doop, doop. they were packed up, and they were gone, and they were out there waiting. I says, why is it taking everybody so long? So all the other guys, because we get lazy. So we didn't really know what to pack or how to – we weren't good at it, but all the new guys were just like, they were kind of like pointing at it, kind of laughing. But it was a lesson. It was like, hey, you guys have to be ready to go, mm -hmm. have everything packed in there, and be able to do this. And then they loved it. They were just like, right on, man. Learn some good lessons. Everything's packed away good, and I can get that, get that. I know exactly what I need with no extras. That's cool. So it's just lessons. It's a good, good like, maneuvering. Yeah. They might have hated it, but yeah. they, they figured out it was this means something. This is the right way to do it. So some of my training is pretty harsh, and I know that I definitely had some people kind of, they're pissed because they, they were like, this is unnecessary. This is just overboard. We don't need to do yeah. that and that. But I was like, no, this is good lessons. It's hard lessons. You'll never forget it. Yeah. So one thing I was wondering with the competitive nature that you have that made you become a SEAL, that made you successful in all these things, what, I mean, that doesn't go away. What do you do with that no. competitive nature now in, in your own life where you're at? Uh, I don't know. I sleep a lot. I'm a competitive sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would assume you still want to be the best at something. And, and you are someone who yeah. still makes an impact. You know, oftentimes when you make a statement, it yeah. gets picked up everywhere. It's on TMZ. I mean, because yeah. you stand out for obvious reasons. Yeah. Well, touching on this subject just a little bit. About yeah. My life I'm living right now. It's a, I tell you right now, what if you could take America and you looked at our entire country and you want to define America in one word. What's the word that you would think of? And everybody, everybody out there listening too, think right now. It's what's tough. That I one mean, what word? comes to my mind would probably be diverse. Diversity for you? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of weird. I, I mean, I don't know what what what's no, the word that would come to you. Saying, you know what I mean? No, part of it is, word, is also because I live in in New, New York, very true. right? So the people from the LBGT, you know, Q community, yeah. you see everywhere. You also will see someone yeah. in, in a hijab. Yeah. You know, and everybody kind of just does their own thing. Okay, well, so I could be biased based on that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, also... Yeah, but, okay, I, I here's, other here, dig a country. little deeper. Yeah. And I didn't mean to make fun of you a little bit, but it <laughs> no, was kind of funny. For it. But what, what is it about America that allows that diversity? The Constitution, so you, really. Okay, there, there's a good one. Yeah. So the Constitution might be, that's better, because that's more digging into the layers of what gives us that diversity. And that's what I challenge everyone out there to think about is like, what's your word? And then why is it that America gives us the diversity? Why is it that America can give us that kind of freedom? And a constitution, that's, that's, a, that's great. Because that thing has been thought out and there's so yep. much in that that we just, we don't, we take it for granted. 
and we don't do it very well. And if politicians, they're down there, it's like a food fight all the time. If the Democrats say something, the Republicans jump all over them. If the Republicans say something, the Democrats, it's like, this, it's it's terrible. It's the worst. I mean, There's with, one with word, Trump as uh, the current president, it, it just changes oh, it's everything. Gonna be, it's going to be But, nice. uh, all right, so what's the what's The sky's the blue. No, it's not. It's red. <laughs> yeah. What? It's blue. Come yeah. on, dude. So, okay, truth is truth. so what's, what's the word here? So if you're thinking about what our country is and who we are as people, liberty. Yeah. If you think about something that we have that a lot of other countries don't, or, or a lot of other countries do have liberty and they have freedom and there's a lot of things they have. But our country, we really, we're individualists. We're, we're like that, that lone, you know, farmer out there, you know, driving the, the herd of cattle across. That's like when you think about it, you know? Oh, oh for sure. But, I mean, I think the liberty... liberty and individual and liberty. I've talked about this on the show with Jack and and just in general. I mean, we are actually pr- pretty much the only major country out there truly with free speech. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think that is why people are so bothered by these big tech co- tech companies mm-hmm. uh, banning people and deplatforming oh, yeah. people. Yeah. And I, I understand these are private companies, so mm-hmm. you know that's a whole nother debate. Yeah. But for example, as deplorable as it may be. In another country, you write a book, you know, saying that the Holocaust never happened. You yeah. will literally go to jail. Yeah. And here, to cut you're your a, hand you're off, a, to cut your head yeah, off, you're to allowed care. to do that. Yeah. You know, and and I think actually, even when I talk to people from other cultures, they don't get why someone like myself would defend that. It has nothing to do with that. I yeah. like that speech. That yeah. I think that speech is even acceptable. Mm-hmm. But that is what makes America America. But that's what I want all the politicians to see. Is that we are special, that we do hold that that individual liberty. And if this right here, if me living my life right now is my individual liberty, isn't that what the Constitution offers me? No, oh, absolutely. Isn't that what America offers me? Isn't that the Republicans and the Democrats and all those politicians down there? That's what they should be working on, is how do we make everyone's individual liberty to the maximum extent possible but yet, man, being able to manage a country, so collecting taxes to do the roads and the bridges and doing all the stuff they have to do to keep everything running, but there should never be a price to a person's individual liberty. Yeah, and that's that's what I wish people could understand is that this has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with your life or your paycheck or your family or anything else. It has nothing to do with your church. This is just me expressing. This is my individual liberty. So why can't I have that? It sounds like you you're possibly like itching to run for office again, oh, no <laughs> which way. you did, which you oh, did no. try. You yeah, know? I did. Yeah. And I mean, is that something that you wanted to? Because you're very passionate about yeah. your beliefs and so, and what you see this country is standing for. Yeah. So, and I would love to see the politicians down there start understanding that compromise is not a dirty word. You know, you have to work together. And you have to figure stuff out. You can't be enemies. You can be opponents. And it's fine for Republicans and, and Democrats and the whole thing down there. They're not enemies, though. They're opponents, and their their issues are different. And we have to figure this out. How how are we going to make this work? They don't care to make it work. They just want to crush the other party. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. It's just a wrong way to be running the country. The truth is, if you were to be an elected member of office, mm-hmm. they, they just wouldn't be able to put you in a box. No, not at all. You know, because yeah. of uh, you know, like yeah. I said, that your own background. But yeah. then y- you being a SEAL, you are not really completely in a line with someone like a Dan Crenshaw who's now in office, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. So I just I, I think you'd be a tough yeah. person. I like Dan. To, yeah, oh, he yeah. seems great. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. And the interesting yeah. thing was, I mean, and during I like the Zinke, show, and I like like yeah. when you run into most seals because we have such a hardcore background. It's so similar. It's hard not to like. You see a seal team guy, you're just like, hey, yeah, you're different. You're black or white. Yeah. You're well, females. There's only one. So you're. Whatever you are, if you have that SEAL team background, there's so much you have in common, and you're just like, you automatically just click. Well, I was talking to Rob O'Neill the other day. Well, yeah. The same thing, yeah. Oh, so me and Rob O'Neill, we talk. We talk often enough, and uh, it's the same thing. We just start getting into, we might do a little bit of the, you know, hey, what's up? What are you doing, you know, lately and some of that, but then it goes right into, like, team guy stuff. Yeah. It just, it real quickly just, you know digresses right back down into like hey, hey what about that what about that and this, yeah and then we just start drinking some jack daniels and <laughs> but uh <laughs> what i was gonna say is doing this show i have learned more than ever that the military really isn't a monolith and when we had dan crenshaw on the show mm-hmm. when he was running for congress jack and him completely disagreed on foreign policy yeah. you know dan is a guy and i don't even know your take on this who kind of does want us to stay in iraq for however many years. And he said on the show, look, we've had a presence in mm-hmm. Japan, we've had a presence in Germany. And, you know, Jack, for example, is a guy that thinks that these wars are never ending. And like, what is yeah. our objective? So it's interesting. You have these different people from the special ops background who have been in combat and they mm-hmm. see things completely different. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a time that we're going to have to be in Iraq and some of these other places because we've been at war and we basically dismantled their entire government. So imagine if someone, if another country came into America and dismantled and fired everyone in the whole government and made them go back to their farms or killed most of them. And then the same thing with all the military, all the generals and the colonels and everybody else in between, they were just totally stripped of everything they did and told to go away. And then we said, okay, let's start running it. It's you can't. Yeah. So there's all these bureaucracies and there's all these people and all these people in these middle levels and all this other stuff and then all the leaders and they're all gone. How do you build that back up? Well, the interesting that's going to take when, an immense amount of time. When, when so we Dan have to be on, there longer. Well, when Dan was on though, at the same time he said we don't need to, you know, engage in nation building. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what you're we saying is to. nation building. It's you total know? nation so, building. Yeah, and we're not going to try to build our image because Iraq is never going to be similar. Jeffersonian democracy. It's, it's yeah, different. And then if we try to make them wear blue jeans and try to make them American, that's total BS. And it's one of the biggest problems we have a lot of times is we think that everyone wants to be American. Yeah. It's not, it's not their way. They have a totally different mindset and a different way to do things. And it'd be like t- trying to take some Latin American countries and trying to make them America. We tried that for how many decades down there during the banana wars and everything else. It doesn't work. They don't want to be American. You know, yeah. they like to do what, how they do it, and they're going to have their systems and just leave them alone. But why do we keep repeating the same exact thing again no and idea. again? I don't think we're very smart sometimes. Because, you know, now, <laughs> and we talk about this often, Jack especially is pretty passionate about this. You know, we talk about going into Iran, and he thinks, like, this yeah. is another boogeyman. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we messed up Iran back in the uh, Jimmy Carter days. And I know one of the guys who worked at an agency... They actually went into Jimmy Carter's office on two separate occasions and told him, the Ayatollah, we, we cannot do this. You have to go with this over here. And it was more of a military group that they wanted to have in power. And uh, Jimmy Carter said, no, no, he's a religious man. And, you know, I trust that he'll do everything that's right. And he's a religious man, you know, and I trust religion. And that was Jimmy Carter's say on one time. And they went back to his office about a few days later and said, this is the wrong thing to do. 
you cannot have him this group in power because they were totally changed the face of Iran and they will become our worst enemy. No, no, he's a religious man, and I trust <laughs> the religious man. Yeah, and that's what. And Jimmy Carter is the is a hundred percent at fault for all of Iran, yeah. and nobody even knows a lot of that. No, for sure. I don't think it's very well known. But if you look at uh, photos and videos and things from Iran back in the '60s and early '70s, you'll see face a pretty cool country, you know, very avant-garde, and you know art and the women are wearing you would think that you're right here down but on Main from what i hear it's still almost in a way like that you know and unfortunately the u.s media presents all of these islamic countries being exactly the same under yeah, sharia law and, and yeah, you know you not. would know better than anybody because i've i've only been to israel uh, in the middle east but you know yeah. these countries are all very different different culture yeah so well israel's pretty cool Israel so the one country you went to was pretty yeah. pretty wide open open-minded and pretty cool yeah when in uh, so, 2004 cool stuff i'd love to go back i mean i'd love to see i'm not much of a traveler to be honest but at the same point there'd be something to seeing all of that you know like jack's uh wife benny constantly is over there working on documentaries yeah. cool. and talking about women's rights and equality over there and it's uh, you know she just did a documentary that was extremely eye-opening called i am the revolution and i hmm, think uh, yeah I, I, hopefully it'll get some type of distribution but i got to see the premiere here in new york and you know uh when benny comes on the show it's a very different um ideology because she's very openly feminist and all mm -hmm. that and you learn that being a feminist in america is a very different thing than being a feminist in the middle east where these women receive death threats and stuff just for mm -hmm. wanting basic human rights, the right to vote. To and, drive a car. Yeah. They're getting killed. And as Benny said, you know, when they do get the right to drive a car, like mm -hmm. now in Saudi Arabia, she was like, you know, they're given that right. At the same time, they're just going to be so constantly harassed that it's not, not even worth not driving worth a car it. at that yeah. point. You know, so mm -hmm. stuff like that is very eye-opening to see. And I think the mainstream media presents everything as this is what the Middle East is. And you know, yeah. it's obviously not... I think it's easier, and I think we do the same thing with gender, you know, with almost everything we do. We want it to be real easy, you know, here's this and here's that. And if there's stuff in the middle, they say, no, no, it doesn't exist. It's only this and that. They try to push it out to the out to the far ends of the spectrum to make it easier to digest. So I was going to ask, what brings you to New York? Your dog is getting a ton of attention just walking around the office here, <laughs> Lily. Uh, who's super well behaved? It's you know yeah. I, you wouldn't even know listening that that she's here. She doesn't bark yeah. or anything. Yeah, I was a I big was at service a, dog. Yeah, she's a she's a yellow lab. She's really cool. I was in a bar last night and uh, I just say you know I just say the word under and she just goes she goes right under the table and just sits down and lays there and people don't even know she's there. Yeah, and I'll start getting up to leave or go to the restroom or something and uh, literally you'll come out and they're like, oh my god, there's a dog there. Getting a ton of love though. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, what what made you uh, come out here? I mean, I've like I said, we've spoken for years between this podcast, yeah. calling it to serious when yeah. I worked on Andrew Wilkow relatively recently, um, and. There's been many times I've been said, "Hey, we should get you in studio," but you've never <laughs> been here. So, what made you finally? I'm finally here. <laughs> yeah. What What made you finally come visit? So, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm trying to do different things. You know, I want my fourth and fifth career, and I just want to try to spread out a little bit and and do some different things. And so, I was invited up here a few times before doing some fashion magazines. So, I've been in Flaunt and. Uh, 
Oh, what's that one magazine? There's, well, there's a bunch of magazines I've been in. GQ. I was in GQ. Are you the first Navy and, uh, SEAL to do fashion magazines? Yeah, but that's what, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I got invited up here to do this huge campaign for a, uh, a really cool brand. And uh, when you see it, it'll come out in May. I can't really tell you what the brand is and what type, but keep your eyes open in May. Okay. There's going to be like a, a really cool, very hip kind of – it's going to be really neat. But I came up here to do photography. So for the last two days, I've been in a studio in a – on 59th Pier Studio, and uh, just doing photo- photography. Nice. And so just putting stuff on, and I'm not I'm not able to, like, to just strut the one way and all that stuff. Yeah. But I, was, but I think I looked pretty good, in, you know, in photos, and, and it was good. That's cool. I think when you see it in May, you'll be like, dang, that doesn't even look like you, because the magic of photography, the lighting. Yeah. So in, in the right light, you know, I look okay. This is a totally different... You have different... to turn all the lights off, though. It's had to be <laughs> black. I mean, it's just a totally different world than what you were oh, once it's, a it's part a, of. It's, so. a, it's a really... <laughs> Wild world, yeah, and it's it's wild also because you have the photographer as photographer's assistant, you have all the lighting people, and you have these. So I was surrounded by all these people making the mission happen. So it was like, it was like military precision, you know, that they all kind of know their jobs, and it's super professional and pretty awesome. And so it was a it was about thirty to forty people all around doing styling and makeup and hair and this and that, just people all over, just for that one mission to get this product in the best light as possible on this person for that one shot. And then they would have to do like a thousand shots to try to get the one shot that they want to keep. Nice. And there's, it's a huge industry. I just, I'm really surprised. Yeah. I'm amazed. Well, I mean, this is like the headquarters of it. Yeah. That's, sure, that's probably so. why it's so huge Makes here. because this is New York city. Yeah. But I yeah. I think I've done some fashion shoots and if you look at my Instagram, and all my social media is the same. It's Valor, the number four U.S. Valor for us, because Valor's not for me. Valor's not for it's for the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's for us. Yeah. And so that's the reason I picked Valor for us as my call sign. It's cool. Um. I, so I wanted to make sure that we get into this. You've done a lot of different charity work, um, and I know that you're heavily involved with the Military Order of the Purple Heart, which is PurpleHeart.org at M O P H. Uh, underscore HQ on Twitter, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were texting me about them a while back to like follow them, see what they're up to. How did you get involved yeah. with them and what exactly are they doing? I mean, I know that, that you know, they're the group involved in giving out the Purple Heart and, and yeah. helping those with the Purple Heart, which yeah. there's been some initiatives lately. I noticed you just, you see more Purple Heart parking in spaces and things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I wanted to hear like what they're doing and your involvement. So the military of Purple Heart has been around since the 1930s. It got its congressional charter, I think, in 1932. So it's a congressionally chartered uh, veteran service organization. And so our primary uh, job is to help veterans get their VA benefits. So we have hundreds of people in, people in cities all around the country that did just sit in an office just like this, and uh, a veteran will write to them and say, hey, I was trying to get my VA benefits. I'm at 20%. And I have all these things that are service-connected and this and this. And they say, okay, well, well, we'll represent you. And so send us all the data, your information. They look at everything on the VA site. And they help you write your claim and make sure that you get what you deserve, you know, as far as your percentages and everything else. And that's like one of our primary jobs is representing veterans, not just with Purple Hearts, but all veterans, to help them get the benefits that they deserve, that they earned. And uh, we've worked a lot with the GI Bill. So the Forever GI Bill was one of our big pushes. We've been working with service dog groups and trying to uh, promote more service dogs for veterans. 
And it's all about like the veteran suicide rate right now. You know, it's just it's it's epidemic. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about twenty, twenty two. You know, people. It's it just it breaks my heart the fact that it doesn't have to happen. You know, we have to start trying to get together more and doing better buddy checks and caring about each other. And if some of those guys had service dog, you know, the chances are that they'd still be here. You know. So that's what our group does. And it, it's we have legislative affairs office that we're always on Congress and we're always on Capitol Hill and we're always working to make sure that veterans are represented correctly. And we work, you know, hand in hand with the VFW, the American Legion, uh, Disabled Veterans of America. We work with a lot of different groups. And if you think about all of the major veteran support organizations, we're in one, you know, the top five. So you have the VFW, the American Legion, the Disabled uh, Veterans, um, the Vietnam Veterans of America is a pretty big one. So there's there's some real big ones, and we're up there in that in that group with the bigger organizations. I, I know you have, and really from the last time that you were on, we got into this. You've always been a big advocate for alternative alternative treatments for TBI for PTSD. Yeah. Do you try to bring that to the table with them of finding new ways to treat these guys? Because it's something we often talk about yep, here. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they're. American medicine or, or, you know, Western medicine is very uh, pharmaceutical-based. For, oh, for sure. You know, and there's a lot of other methods. So I'm going in for acupuncture, you know, here I've done uh, acupuncture. next week. And that's that's not Western medicine. That's yeah. Eastern medicine. But we've been able to kind of bring that in and saying that this is actually effective. And yoga and hot yoga and doing things to try to get your muscles and get everything kind of going better. And there's a lot of other things you can do. And in the opioid uh, epidemics, you know, the, the crisis right now, it really is a crisis. So many people die of opioid overdoses and the effects of opioids that, I mean, how many a day? Hundreds of people a day. Hundreds of Americans per day are dying from this, in this crisis of yeah. opioids. And alternative medicine to that is that medical marijuana. You know, there's uh, the CBD oils. You know, there's so many things we can do. And the VA prescribed to me... Uh, about three weeks ago because I have some issues sleeping. And uh, and they, they showed it to me. They said, well, this was originally made for uh, cancer patients and some other people who are on chemotherapy because they don't want to eat. So they started saying, well, you know, marijuana gives everybody the munchies and you want to eat a lot. So they started trying to take marijuana and take the oils out, CBD. But this is going back 20 yeah. years. And the VA was doing this since far pharmaceutical company did this 20 years ago. So they took the essence of you know medical marijuana and boiled it down in to try to give this as a as a you know as an aid to chemotherapy patients so that they would start eating more so that they could be healthy and uh, it didn't actually do what they wanted it to do but they were messing around with medical marijuana back 20 years ago the VA and so they prescribed this thing to me and it's been on the market for as a as a as a prescribed drug from the VA for you know decades and uh, it's great for sleep. They said it didn't really make make all these uh, patients, you know, want to eat, but it did definitely make them go to sleep. So I said, "Well, this is a sleep aid," and then there's no side effects. There's nothing. You just take a couple of these and have a perfect night's sleep. Pretty recently, we had uh, Peter Peter Gidry on the podcast from uh, Forgotten Not Gone, which is a group out of Las Vegas, a veterans group, and he's a big supporter of this uh, kratom. Yeah, and I don't know if you've, you know. Yeah. Read up on that. I saw that documentary, A Leaf yeah. of Faith, which is actually where I saw Peter. I got him on. Yeah. Um, that seems to be another big alternative. When you know, I go to Florida every uh, now and again, like a couple of times a year, and you see these uh, yeah. kava bars everywhere, which is like kratom. 
um, you know, made from Kratom. And I think it's because <laughs> opioids are huge there. I mean, South Florida is like the yeah. rehab capital yeah. of the world. Um, I don't, I've never taken Kratom, you know, and I'm also not someone, I've never served in the military. I don't have PTSD or any of that. Mm-hmm. But I would think if it's helping these guys out, also getting people off opioids, why not explore yep. it? And that's, that's probably the biggest point. As if this is an alternative and it's not your regular thing, then why can't we try it? Why can't we experiment with it? And I think that's a failure of the FDA. It's a failure of the VA. It's a failure of um, uh, U.S. government overall. That our FDA is a bureaucracy that just takes too long to authorize something and kind of do this. And I like, and I think it's something that Trump just signed a little while ago. And it has to do with uh, it's up to you. If you want to try an experimental drug, you want to try something that's experimental, it's not FDA approved yet, that you're allowed to actually try something. Yeah, I can't I, remember I what the bill that. was. I think it's um, it's something with like right to choose. Yeah, something, I think that's but, almost it. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah, was yeah. mentioned during the State of the Union, and I remember yeah. that that senator from Arizona. Um, What's her name again? Um, Cinnamon, Kirsten Cinnamon, or something yeah, like. That. I know you're but talking she about. she's a Democrat and stood up during that, mm-hmm. and none of the other Democrats yeah. did. Which and plays all into, the Democrats. Come on, why? Like they should have all stood up for that. For that. That's a great freaking thing. Yeah, the sky is blue. No, it's not. It's red. Yeah, I mean, come that, on, shut up. There's certain things that should be completely bipartisan. Yeah, you know, I spoke about on that. on the podcast yeah. recently with these two military wives of. Yeah. Um, these private companies that own military housing and there's black mold in these houses. Um, While the people who own this are making millions upon millions of dollars and people assume it's like a government project and it's not. And apparently Marco Rubio and some others are taking Mm -hmm. action, but like if I've ever heard anything that should be a bipartisan effort, that's it. That's one of them. And And he's actually done a lot of things like that. And the Democrats are still fighting. It's like, wow, you're fighting this. This is, this is a good thing. And that's what I said earlier about, hey, compromise is not a dirty word. Yeah. And in politics, they should not be fighting like they fight. You know, we're all fighting for the same thing. We're fighting for individual liberty. We're fighting for equality and freedom and all the stuff that makes America great. You know, and why can't we fight for that? You shouldn't just say, well, he's a Republican or it's Trump, and we're going to automatically hate everything he does. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've gotten into. And it's just, it's the worst way to, it's the worst thing we could ever do. You know, there's a lot of things I don't like. But I'm not going to automatically hate everything. There's a couple of things in there. Like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I know you wanted to mention women in combat roles, and that's another thing that you think needs to change. So I kind of wanted to hear your take on it because you get so many different answers on this when we bring it up on the show. Well, it's, again, they're talking about women being part of the draft now. So that's a, like a really big debate. That's why I wanted to talk about it was that they're, they're talking about it. I think a lawsuit just happened from someone to have women be part of the selective service, to be drafted, and uh, to have to sign up for selective service. And I'm going, yeah, why not? And I said, I want, I want the doors to be open to all opportunities so that women, the doors open to go try out for the SEALs. Now, there might not be a lot for whatever reasons, and upper body strength would be an easy thing. Cause, and like I said on a couple other shows, that uh, the SEAL team mission is climbing up this little caving ladder. It's like it's like eight inches. You know, it's a small ladder, and uh, you're going up that. You know, carrying 40, 50 pounds in your back, and you're going up. You know, 40 to 60 feet, and uh, so the test for that is pull-ups. You know, a really easy you know test. If you can do 20 pull-ups while you have you know 40 pounds in your back, then right on. You can try out and go be a SEAL, and that should be the first test. And, so and if you're I would a female and you want to be a SEAL, do forty, you know, do the pull-ups with forty pounds in your back. Do twenty pull-ups with forty pounds in your back. And if you can do that, then okay, the door is open. 
Come on, let's try it out. I would also think women could get into certain places that men can't. We could use that. You know, there's certain things that they're just better at. You know, we've had Dan Gordon on the podcast before, who's former IDF sniper, and he was saying all the video surveillance Mm -hmm. is done by women, and they're just better at it, and they do an amazing job with it. So I would think there's certain roles that they're just going to be better at than men. Maybe not the physicality, and it would be an anomaly one who is, but yeah. But that's that's one job in the SEALs. But there's tons of other jobs, and it should just be the doors open to everything. But here's the qualifications. If you meet these qualifications, you meet these standards, then right on, you're part of the team. And it's not going to be based on gender. doesn't matter. And I think that we keep looking at the Conan days or World War One, World War Two. We're looking at all these things where you have to be this giant, beefy dude to swing a sword. It's like, well, do you have to be... Conan to fly a drone. If you're sitting out there in a in an office yeah. here in America, where is where they fly the drones out of? Yep. So if you're sitting in an in like office Vegas, space, right? Shh. So that's what that's I've heard. Another, okay. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. <laughs> they say purely speculation. It's I guess. a lot of fun being able to go to Vegas and fly some drones and then go see, uh, you know, Teller and what is it? Penn and oh, Teller. Oh, Penn and Teller. Yeah. Hi, I was flying drones <laughs> earlier today. Now I'm watching Penn and Teller. Well, apparently, some of these <laughs> guys are getting like PTSD from the drone. Yeah, I mean, it's probably I a weird. I was one. Of, I was a. I flew them. So wow. yeah, it's it's definitely. You think it's a video game, but then because you know this is real, it's definitely you're separated from it. But it's it's all you know. It's real. Yeah, it's different than a video game for sure. Do, but would, you don't need to be Conan to fly those drones no, if you're sitting there in Vegas. And there's a, there's a million jobs in the military that you don't have to be. You know the barbarian. You don't. It doesn't. It's SEAL teams, yeah. Special forces, yeah. Rangers, yeah. There's gonna be a whole bunch of jobs that it's like, yeah. We, there's gonna be these qualifications and be very stringent. But I would love to see the military open up the doors. You know, even wider. If you have someone, uh, I have friends uh, in a wheelchair. They're disabled. You know. And uh, there's a ton of jobs that they can do. They could be sitting there in Vegas flying a drone. And if they're the best drone pilot, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair or, you know, you're overweight. You might weigh 300 pounds, but you're the best person to do cyber warfare. Then right on, I want you doing that. Because you're not, that's the thing, even on shipboards, on ships, there's certain things that you have to be able to do to move around a ship during general quarters and everything else, and especially on submarines also. So there are definitely standards if you are in those positions. But if you're back here doing cyber warfare in a giant building in the middle of Virginia, then who cares? I don't care how much you weigh, what gender you are, what color you are, what religion you are. What If you're the best at doing cyber, or you're the best at doing the drones, or you're the best at doing this or that, then why can't you be a part of the military? You make a great point. Uh, do you think— We have to look at it differently. For sure. I so think maybe what it you're would be two makes, forces. Yeah. I think what you're saying makes complete yeah. sense. Um do you think women in the SEALs, for example, would open the door, though, to sexual harassment or anything like that? I don't know. I mean, you're speculating something that it could. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know either. When you have a traditionally a- just male experience and you throw a woman in the mix, you know, yeah, but and, I think and you hear that, about what goes on on Navy ships. and Yeah. But also, it, the SEALs is such a small group of people. You're talking about, you know, 12 to you know, 16 people on a team. You know, on a platoon, and uh, you're so tight that I don't think anybody could get away with that. I think it's too small of a group, and they're too tight, and they're in such close quarters and always around each other that I don't think that there would be a possibility that you could ever get away with something like that. Makes sense. You know? 
Although, as we we know, the seals are you know some would say getting away with a lot of like crazy things that have been in the news. So you know what I mean? We yeah. don't know. I don't. A lot of that I don't really believe. I think a lot of that's also kind of. And I was going to say trumped up, but I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to hear your take on that. <laughs> but it though. just the, seems the like there's Eddie Gallagher thing, and yeah. you know, I think I don't know all the facts about Eddie Gallagher. You know, I know he's a great dude, and I would fight for him just off that fact alone. That I think that there's a lot of people who get kind of bitter, and uh, our memories are weird, and you start remembering something, you go, yeah, yeah, that happened. Because I'll tell you what, I don't remember a lot of stuff I did when I was over in Afghanistan. You know, we just kind of block stuff out. And, it's uh, a weird case, though, because, you know, as you're saying, he's a great dude. But what about this? You know, these aren't guys outside the military testifying against him. These yeah. are fellow SEALs saying yeah. this is what he did. So, I mean, I'm sure those guys are great, too. And and I, I don't yeah, want to. You you're know, bringing up a good it's, point. It's hard to take one guy's side over another. And yeah. if they're if they're telling the truth, then and something needs to be done. That's the rub. Yeah. You know, is do they have an axe to grind? Are they trying to do something? Is it just like the chief that they hated because he made them live out of these two pair of bags? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And now they have an axe to grind. And now they're saying, well, and something happened. And it was like, yeah, it was kind of messed up. But it's not It's not something to hang somebody over. Yeah. You know? I don't I, I don't have the facts, and I don't know. No, and, and I think a lot of people don't either. And I think and that's, that's the why... problem is we keep doing conjecture, and we're jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, innocent or guilty. And it's like, well, I can't tell you innocent or guilty. Tell you he's a good dude. Yeah. And I would fight for him, you know? I hear you. And that's that's all I would leave it at, is that if he wants my help, I'll go help him. That's awesome. And I'd also like to see some of the some of the facts, and I would like to – but I don't think that any of us are ever going to. Yeah. You know, they're going to keep that in a closed court, and then we're, we're all going to sit out here and wonder, you know, what's the real truth? So what's what's next for you? I know you got to take an air uh, plane Some out here. fashion stuff. That's just, so, I mean, it's, it's such a weird departure from what yeah. you, you were doing. But that's also the cool thing yeah. about it, was that you did, it's kind of unexpected. Completely but it also unexpected. says that, but that's liberty. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a availability or it's the, uh, don't limit my life. Don't put limits on me. That because I used to be a Conan, sure. you know, I was a barbarian that I can't do something. I'm not, I'll never be a Barbie, but, but I don't want to, I want to be able to do whatever I want. And I think that's what America kind of offers us also is it's that opportunity to do whatever, you know, to just live your life as great as you can. And if you're working a job right now and you don't really like going to work, well, then why are you there? There's a lot of other stuff you can do, you know, go retrain, go retrain and go do that or go get a different education, you know, go to school. There's got to be a way for you to do it. So your job should not be, you know, J-O-B. It should be F-U-N. You know, yeah. when you go to work, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm going back. This is awesome. You love your job. Do you feel like in some ways that CNN documentary was shot at a weird time? Because I feel like now, you know, you're you're kind of more secure with where you're at. And, and yeah. this is who you've been for a while now. And the CNN thing was shot, you know, quite a few years back at this point. Yeah. So they shot that in 2013, and that was right when I was losing my job, and everything was just going. It was all terrible. I lost and, and I don't members. know the status of this, but yeah you, yeah, you had some issues with your children. Yeah, family, my sisters, you know, my parents. Everything was just all messed up. My jobs, even SEAL Team buddies, they're all WTF and all. You know, what are you doing? This just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, Brandon was out. in there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just. It was definitely a weird time, and I wish I wouldn't have done it. In some We're all ways, really? yeah. I mean, I, I'm not that I'm not that public of a person, and I'm not flashy. 
I mean, look at how I'm dressed right now. I'm not a flashy person, am I? I, don't, no, I mean, you, but you. But I am going on fashion. Yeah, but that's what. So I've kind of, I've kind of accepted that that I'm in the public eye, and I want to take advantage of it in a way that I want to show the example that there's not going to be a limit. That I can do that and that and that, and I'm, I'm able to do that, and I'm able to have some fun doing it. So I want kids growing up now to, to know that America is bigger than what they think. America is bigger than what your teachers are telling you. America is bigger than what your parents are telling you. America is as big as you want it to be. And I just think that you're, we're, we're like, we grow up in these places. Like you said, you're, you're here in New York City, so there's a lot of things that you're given the opportunities and adversity to see this and see that. And really, so you're rounder than somebody that was in Ohio, Oklahoma, or somewhere else out there. And so I just want all those kids in the middle of the country that don't have the experience like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, to what, though, see the examples. At, you know, at the same time, I think every place has its advantages. Yeah, I've and never gone place. hunting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know Seriously? how to skin an animal. No, no. Oh, uh, no, I'm super disappointed. I mean, who on Long Island really goes hunting? It's pretty rare. It's, yeah. you know, uh, and that's where I so <laughs> So, you know what I mean? I have, may have had a more um, interesting experience in terms of meeting yeah. all different types of people. Yep. But in terms of, like, living off the land and all that, I, yeah. I don't have the experience, you know? So I, w- I would like to go hunting at some point. Yeah. If I was able to, like, eat, but you know, bison or something like that. I grew up with this kid who was like super rich, and his family does like that trophy hunting in Africa. I'm not, they go and do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly yeah, on board with that. Yeah. But if it was about, you know, like I think ending trophy hunting at this point would be kind of a good thing. It's it's, it's yeah. pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It's just it's like bad. this rich people. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't yeah. really get the point because yeah. uh, anybody could do it, right? I mean, you could have yeah, a baby hunt. You know, yeah, it's like endangered run. Two hundred yards away, there's that lioness. Yeah, and it's like you just killed a magnificent creature for really no reason other than your own pleasure. Yeah, That's I don't get the appeal. I I, you know, yeah. if you're eating, you know, I yep. eat animals as it is, and I mean, we should all be aware. I saw that video of Joe Rogan when he talked about when he first started <laughs> hunting, and he was like, "I felt like first time doing this." Either I'm going to become a vegan because I'm not comfortable with this, or yep. I am going to be comfortable with this, which he is. But mm-hmm. I, yep. I, more people probably, myself included, should you know, yep. kind of pick that up. Yeah, advantages, disadvantages, no matter where you are. But I just think that we're still growing up in these closets. We're growing up in these little bubbles where people are kind of protected, and they don't know that. No, you can look at this. And there's an example of somebody that was a Navy SEAL, and now she's a fashion model. She's doing that now. You know, the world is wide open and it can be whatever you want to make it. Yeah. You can be closed-minded and have your little life sitting there, you know, chucking wood in a fire and being a jerk. Or you can open your mind up a little bit and, you know, and see the greater world for what it is. You know, it's a, a lot of point. opportunity and a lot of a lot of good stuff. A lot of good people. Oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. I told you this. Uh, so when Lady Valor did come out, I think I mentioned this to you. I, so I was, I was actually living at my parents at the time. Because uh, believe it or not, no, I had my own room. You're living in your basement parents' house in the I, basement playing video games. I, I did have my own <laughs> room, but believe it or not, like it, you know, you don't make like that much in in radio, at least where I was yes. at at the time. But uh, I mean, I'm doing fine now. But my mom heard about Lady Valor and heard the mm-hmm. interview with you and everything, and wanted to watch it with me yep. the night that it came out. So you know, I knew that the film was done because mm-hmm. I knew Jake's wig. We were just talking about saw it, yep. talked about it on the show. Yeah, so Jake's I, a great guy too. I'll do anything for him. Yeah. Oh, he's so I assumed yeah. everything was in the can, and it was going to be the same exact documentary that Jake's wig watched. And we put it on, 
and there's that opening scene where you're in the in a car listening to the radio and it's got mm-hmm. someone interviewing you about your life. And my mom turns to me and goes, "Was that was that you speaking just there?" <laughs> and I it honestly didn't hit me cuz I had no idea that that my voice was going to be used on the film. And I actually I don't know if that was you or who who made that happen, but I really appreciate it because it's yeah. like Something I put on my resume now is that yeah. my voice was on CNN for this documentary. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I I had no. No, you idea. never told me that. <laughs> I, okay. I I thought I did, but I I swear it was. So a I should weird have made experience. you buy me a cup of coffee on the way up. Yeah, there. no. Wait, Come which, on, dude, you're yes, on me. I, I, should. I want some freaking coffee. <laughs> I, d- I definitely will. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a weird experience because I didn't notice it was my own voice. My, yeah. my mom noticed. Oh, that's it. cool. It's kind of strange, that's so cool. right? Yeah, because it was just unexpected. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, now people could still buy it. I think on DVD and yeah, yeah. But is it, it was on Netflix, and I think they took it off Netflix, and it was on Hulu, and I think it still might be on. I know it's still on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can still find it. So is it? Something it's weird that because they have stuff and, out. Do you have a weird reaction watching it now? Or yeah, there's all kinds of scenes, and I'm like, oh god, I wish I was like wearing something different or I said something different. And it was it was 2013, you know, and, and I was new. In that world, mm-hmm. you know, of CNN and LGBT and all the other stuff, and and I was very naive and I didn't know, I didn't know a lot, and so I was speaking from a position of naivete, you know. Yeah. How is that word? Na- naivete. Naivete. Yeah. Naivete. <laughs> uh, Sounds kind of French. Yeah. But I was it speaking does. from a position that I didn't, I didn't have all the information, I didn't have all the facts, I didn't have the experience either. And so there's a lot of things I was talking about that I just wish I could have uh, I could have said it a little differently. It's probably yeah. still good though in that it, it captures a moment in time. Of, oh yeah, of this is this is where you were at at that time. And then I maybe, still get emails all the time about that movie. Yeah, about people that say they watched it and it just motivated them. It just wanted to make them a better person. You know, and a guy in uh, Louisiana, he wrote to me. He was like, hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a straight white guy. I'm kind of a redneck, you know, and, and I used to beat up queers all the time, you know. And, but I saw your movie, and I won't beat anybody up anymore. I mean, that's, that's, a, like, that's a step so in the just, right direction. Yeah, so it was like opening his mind enough that it was just like, hey, there's people out there that are different, and we're just trying to live our life. You know, we don't do anything to you. We're not going to harm you. It's not any, it has nothing to do with you. And so why are those people out there beating people up because of something that has nothing to do with them? Yeah. And that was the point was – and that was the great point that he brought up also, just in his kind of weird way, you know. Yeah. He was saying thank you, you know. Sure. He said, hey, thanks. You opened my mind, and I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore because it doesn't make any sense. It sounds like the door could be open, I guess, to like a part two of you in the fashion world now because yeah. it's, I mean, you're doing something completely different. There is a movie in the works. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's, and that's something that we've been working on now for a couple of years. I, a, I am not going to lie. This flies in the yeah. face of like, I don't like being yeah. in the public eye, but, but I, I still don't. But, you know, when, you, <laughs> and I, I guess I'll be like kind of an, an anti hero. Like, I don't yeah. want to, and I hate that word too. It's, it's well, we just so had I Chris just, on, who you mentioned, Chris Peranto. Yeah. He always says the same thing. And it's like, but you do always wind up in the public eye, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the thing. It's like, I, I don't want to let I don't want to let it alone because it's still not right. It's still not fixed. The yeah. mission's not done, and so as long as the mission is still there, that I'm trying, I'm fighting for liberty. I am truly believe in American. I believe that the Statue of Liberty out there, that bright light that she's holding that torch, that torch is for every American. It's not just for the Republicans, and it's not just for the Democrats, and it's for everybody all in between. It's for all of us. 
And that's what I don't think that people understand yet. They don't really get it. That there are protected classes of people that are this and that. There are people that think that they deserve more liberties than I do because they're trying to take mine away through legal recourse or through uh, what they say or the church or education or that or that. You can bring up a hundred different ways that they're trying to do it. But they're always itching away and they're always like, Nick, Nick, Nick. They're picking and they're trying to take away my liberty. And it really pisses me off. Yeah. And that's why I'm probably more of a libertarian than I am a Democrat or Republican because I really believe I want a really small government. I want to maximize liberty, individual liberty. I want you to live the best life you can and have more freedom than you could ever, you know, ever possibly use. And I want that opportunity there for every American. And that's the true point of what every politician down there should be fighting for. You don't fight for a party. You should be fighting for every American. And if you see a small group of Americans being left out, then how can you make sure that that, that group of Americans is brought into the fold and into the, the shining bright torch of liberty? Yeah. And that's really what I truly believe. And I know that right now we have the military transgender ban going on. We have this going on. We have that going on. And just like I said, we don't want Conan anymore. We want that drone pilot in Vegas. We want that person doing cyber warfare. So who cares what gender somebody is? Who cares what color they are or how much they weigh or if you can do pull-ups? I don't want you to do any pull-ups, zero pull-ups. Oh, you can't do any pull-ups? Well, yeah, right on. You're, well, you're cyber warfare awesome? Then that's what we want. The military needs to open up their minds and their eyes and know that Conan the Barbarian was a thing of the past. And then we're doing a space force? Are you freaking kidding me? When's the next time do you think we're going to be fighting some aliens up there on the moon or Mars? Or somebody down here on Earth. Do you really think that sending a rocket up there with the space marines is going to be what we need? If we had a cyber warfare actually as its own branch, which if you think about it, it would totally make sense. Right now we have stovepipes of cyber within the Army, within the Navy, within the Air Force, within every branch, within other branches of government and uh, Department of Homeland Security. We have all these little segments of cyber. And in the NSA and the CIA and all the other agencies, they all have their little cyber groups. And what do they do? They're all competing with each other, competing resources. They're all stovepipes. They're not really sharing. And it's just a mess. So just like the Navy and the Army were the two big branches. And then they started breaking off because we said, hey, now we have airplanes in the you know, 1900s. And now the Air Force was there and it was part of the Army up until, you know, it was the late 40s. Yeah, with the and Army, the, Air Corps, and then because the Army, it, Air Forces. Yeah, Army, yeah. Air Forces. But that was how it happened was that it was part of something else. Because sure. we had, now we had sky dominance and now we had to actually make it its own branch because that, you know, that area of warfare was so significant that it needed to have, get rid of all the stovepipes and stop all this competition, stop everything else, bring it all under one roof. And that's what cyber needs to do. We need cyber warfare, cyber you know, command to be its own branch equivalent to the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines. Not the Space Force. That's ridiculous. It's a huge waste of money. Set up the cyber command first. And it goes into the global commons. I don't know if you know the global commons, but it's like oceans is a global common. Okay. Needed the Navy to defend the Navy, keep the open routes, and have that. And that's why the Navy was made. And in, in the old days of the giant warfare across the land masses, that's the Army. And that's, it's not really global common because of boundaries. But then you see a new global common would be, you know, air. And that's what we have the Air Force for and all that. And a global common of space. 
and space is a global commons. So we're eventually, someday, we might need to have a space force. But that's pretty far in the future. What's the other global commons we keep forgetting? Is the internet, is the, is the web, the interwebs. Mm-hmm. It's a global <laughs> common. Yeah. I mean, it's an area where there's open warfare going on within the web oh, and yeah. everything else. You know, we have people from Russia hacking American and, and going on a credit card fraud and all the other stuff. That's a global common that right now is the freaking worst in the wild, wild west. Until we actually have a branch dedicated to just that under their own roof and all their own stuff and their own budget and get rid of all these stovepipes and all these little cross little weird domains of competition and everything else. Like, I'll fight for that. Yeah. And it makes sense when I talk to you about this, right? Oh, for sure. So the global commons of the interwebs is something that we need to try to... I, yeah. think, I think Andrew says the same thing. The interwebs, like interwebs. yeah. <laughs> it always makes me laugh when people say that. Yeah. But that's, it's an important thing that we need to let the politicians and let people start understanding. I have to get you in the is, same room as him next yeah, time you're here or something. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys would get old. Yeah. Did, you ever, did you see the like picture? Him. He's a great guy. Yeah. Did you see the picture of him with I don't Caitlin like some Jenner? of the stuff he says. He I really worked, I worked with sometimes. him, and, and neither yeah. did I on a lot of it. But I'd always you know? be respectful. And I think oh, yeah. that's, the, that's what the politicians also need to learn. It's like, hey, I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to disagree. He is too, and I, and I think Andrew likes being a villain. I think Andrew likes being a villain on some level. He likes being a jerk. He's like a villain, you know, on some level. But did you see the picture of him with Caitlyn Jenner? No, I didn't. Oh, it's yeah. because Caitlyn Jenner just towering over him. I, I'll show yeah. you. I, I got a picture with uh, it was me and Andrew there, yeah. and uh, Caitlyn Jenner has her uh, arm on Andrew's shoulder and his and finger in his face. It's it's just a very. Well, I'll tell you it's what. A very funny. That's a picture. person I will never have a photo with. Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. So Andrew can have his fun. I have, I have a, a photo with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it was it was not, interesting. Um, it. She was on the cover of Vanity Fair in her freaking underwear. But you know what? You it pisses me. You're off. on the same uh, page with that. You guys both listen to WoCow because the way that I <laughs> met Caitlyn Jenner was uh, I've told the story on the podcast before. Yeah, was Andrew was talking about the same stuff that you know you've called in before, uh, you know about before, and I get a call on the hotline when I was working on the show. Yep, and. This person was like, I want to chime in on this. This is Caitlyn Jenner. And I was like, you know, we're not going to do any prank calls here. I'm going to let you go. And then I get a call back. This is Caitlyn Jenner, and I want to get on the air. And uh, and I'm listening. I'm like, this honestly sounds a lot like Caitlyn <laughs> Jenner. And uh, and Caitlyn is saying, ask me anything about myself. Like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you whatever you need to know. Yep. You know, I don't know what I need to do to prove it's me. And I'm looking at the area mm-hmm. code, and I'm Googling the area code. And I think it's like, like Dang. it's like Hollywood, California. Yeah. And then uh, Caitlin went on the air with Andrew. They mm-hmm. debated about stuff. And Andrew came back in the control room and he's like, dude, I think we're getting punked. I think we're getting pranked. This is this makes me look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, 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 I don't think that was really Caitlyn Jenner called. <laughs> but Mike, the producer, had a contact at TMZ. And was like, could you run this phone number? And sure enough, that's who it was. Yeah. So you guys both listen to Andrew Wilkow, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I flip between uh, Patriot and Fox and CNN and Impotus Channel. So I'm always like flipping through the channels. And hopefully podcasts. So, yeah, I, I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to them all the time. I think I'm one yeah, of the few who's podcasts. worked in terrestrial, satellite, and podcasts. That's cool. Yeah, nice. it's, it's kind of cool to know all three different you know, Did you animals. Did you ever listen to Radio Lab? 
I know of it. Radio Lab is probably hands down one of the best podcasts. Well, Joe Rogan is also amazing. I love Rogan. Do you know so, Rogan just did? I think it was like yeah. four hours with Alex Jones last geez, night. No way. I was listening to some That's of not. it. But yeah, God. I was like, I have to listen to this. Yeah. It's just uh, I don't know. It's too, especially because uh, Alex Jones has been like attacking Rogan. So I was surprised oh, to God. see him on yeah. him. Uh, so but, to finish up the Caitlyn yeah. Jenner thing and why I'm so angry. Okay, at her, was that. And I didn't want to talk about anything transgender. It's kind of you me brought up the transgender thing several so times. I've talked about everything to talk else. About the military and trying to open and we up did, and we not, did, and we did. We're wrapping things up here anyway. So, so I just I don't think that you understand about women and about the the stereotypes of fetish and you know being an object and doing all that. And then she goes on the cover of Vanity Fair in her underwear. You know what I mean? I just think it's just like all she did was just bring all the stereotypes right to the forefront that we are like a sexual object and it's about fetish and it's about the clothing and it's about that. And but if, I but if you look at the family that Caitlyn is a part of, that's yeah, pretty much and that's another reason why I would about, want a picture so. with her because it's all about the Kardashians. It's all this. It's all money and it's all this glam and doing all that. And then and there I am doing silly fashion stuff. So I'm like, <laughs> again, I'm an oxymoron. Like, I'm like, I, maybe I'm not even an oxymoron. Maybe I'm just a moron. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I just, I just don't. I want the stereotypes to be broken, you know, in a good way, mm. in, a, in a not by promoting the stereotypes of that. And that really makes me kind of upset. And so I had Vanity Fair asking me to do a photo shoot. And I did a photo shoot with Vanity Fair, but I told him, I said, right up. And I said, I'm not going to wear anything that's, I'm going to wear jeans and a T-shirt. And they're like, well, if that's what you want to do, okay. And so I had jeans and a T-shirt and a cowboy hat on. You know, because I have a ranch with cattle yeah. and everything else. So I really do have cowboy hats. And, that I wear well, at for the work. same time, I feel like that's just but you. I tried to make it opposite. I was just yeah. like, no, I want this to be totally, you know, respectful. I, and but I think, uh, you know, on some level, that's you. And that might be who Caitlin is. You know, I, I don't think Caitlin is someone who's in a cowboy hat, jeans, yeah. and a t shirt. Well, maybe so. I'm being a little harsh on yeah, it. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I really don't. I, just I will the say. Cover, I don't want the kids growing up thinking that this is fetish. And I don't want. You know, dudes that are young thinking that it's a sexual object, you know, or that this person is this or that. It's like there has to be a more of a of respect, you know. And I wouldn't want to promote the fact that this is about, you know, sex or objectivity or, or anything else like that because that's totally opposite of what it really is about. I just wish she wouldn't have promoted the fact that that's what – that's the stereotype. Yeah. That's what gets me most upset. Well, wrapping things up here. And the word here, hero pisses me off. They well, kept you, saying they kept saying oh, courage hero, and hero. Really, that her. that did piss you off. Okay. Yeah, because I just and it shouldn't be reserved because you can't you can't say that heroes is just a military. No, no, of course. Or courage not. is just a military because it's not. It's not at all. But uh, they kept saying about hero and LGBT hero and all this other stuff, and it was like right when she first came out, and I was like, well, she hadn't done anything yet. All she did was just walk out the door. You know, how about we just give her some time before. You start using that word, you know, saying she's a hero of this community, you know. Let's give it a year or so until she does some stuff for the community that promotes the fact that, hey, you can't just have somebody walk out a door and say, hey, you're a hero because you walked out a door. Yeah. Well, I'll have to uh, – I'll, I'll send you the picture of Andrew with uh, Caitlin <laughs> just so that you see it. It's, it's just a funny picture. But uh, uh, wrapping stuff up here. Uh, be sure to check out Crate Club, of course. We have different tiers of membership depending on how prepared you want to be. Gift options are available as well. Scott Whitner from the Loadout Room, Army Ranger Drew Wallace, who you've heard on the show, and all the other guys from Hurricane involved with Crate Club are putting together great gear. 100% custom-made products uh, we're putting in these packages. 
uh, everything from sunglass cases to EDC bags. It's a club for men, by men. You're probably going to have an issue with that. That's what they've written here. Because I cow, know you dude. can be a woman who's into gear. I didn't write this, okay? Just throwing it out there. But what there. if I'm like a prepper and I, I got like everything? I fully agree. I and, there, and there are, there are women. I have a better go back than Andrew. Club. Andrew Wilkoff brags about his go back on, on the radio all the time. I have a I better like book go back. And, and Brandon has criticized it too. I feel like Andrew's is way too heavy. The thing is just he's like you're not – when Brandon yeah. started, he's like you're not going anywhere with this bag. Yeah. He's got that annihilator on it's it. A it's a freaking parachute in the back so you can jump out the window. Yeah, it's, it's like, w- Andrew, what the hell? It's way too heavy. But anyway, uh, for Crate Club, you can check that all out at CrateClub.us. Once again, that's CrateClub.us. Also, as a reminder for those listening, now is the time to sign up for the Spec Ops channel. It's our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. The Spec Ops channel premiere show Training Cell follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, a lot of stuff that you've done, uh, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to the Spec Ops channel, and that's at specopschannel.com, and take advantage of a membership for only $4.99 a month. That's specopschannel.com. Sign up today. Uh, last thing I'm going to mention here is the News Rep Financial Report. That's exclusive information that you can act on today to secure a brighter future for tomorrow. The News Rep Financial Report can help you discover new investment strategies in the defense sector. Defense industry stocks can be a lucrative investment if you buy at the right time. Our team of foreign policy, security, and military experts provide real-time intelligence for stocks based on global trends that affect financial markets in the national defense industry. By subscribing now, you'll get exclusive access to our industry expertise, the NewsRep Financial Newsletter Advantage. Our team offers unmatched defense industry familiarity and expertise, unbiased knowledge of geopolitical trends, full access to NewsRep's foreign policy, security, and financial intelligence platform, access to our team of experts and analysts, just go to the FinRep tab at the top of the newsrep.com to sign up. That's FinRep on the newsrep.com. And you could follow Kristen on Twitter and Instagram at Valor for Us or Valor for US. You don't have a website that's like currently active, right? That's really where to find you is Valor for Us. Yeah, it's the best thing is go to Twitter or Instagram or those. Then I have my Facebook page. Yeah. You know, you can look up Chief Beck, but it's easy to find me if you want to. Yeah, so at yeah. Valor for Us. I mean, that's yeah. really how I saw you were in New York. Yeah. I just hit you up on there, and yeah. I was glad you got back to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's funny. I have to record another episode right after this, so I was like, oh, we'll record a short one with Kristen. We went nearly an hour and a half here. It flew by. I know. What did we talk about? Did we talk about <laughs> anything good? <laughs> I, I Hopefully so. I think we got into a whole lot yeah. of territory. Yeah. You know, I, I think we covered everything that you wanted to. Uh, yeah. If there's anything else, I mean... I just, I just think that the, the, parting, the parting point should be the individual liberty. Are you defending it or are you taking it away? You know, and, and another thing might just be, you know, you can't judge a book by the cover, but you can read a couple of chapters in that book and kind of get a pretty good idea. You know, you don't have to read the whole book, but just be a little more open-minded. Just take a look at the person and what are they really about, you know. Thanks for coming in. And uh, the audience should appreciate this because uh, as you're hearing this, I'm in Florida. I was going to make a best of. You guys were probably going to break my balls and be like, I've already heard all this. (laughs) Now they have a new episode thanks to you. So this will be up in, uh, you know, a a few weeks from when we're recording this. And I think people will dig it. I think it... uh, you know, as opposed to these media hits that you do where it's 
one big line on TMZ or Business Insider. I think God, TMZ. Yeah, I think God. this opens up, you know, a window into who yeah. you are as a person, your military history. I think we covered a lot in this past hour and a half. So. Just a little bit. Make you think a little bit. And just remember, you're either defending liberty or you're taking it away. You know, be a defender. Sheepdogs. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.